So we'll say the creed, and then the kids can head off to the back, and, uh, and we'll concentrate on what we're getting into. So uh, let's say together, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right, kids, off you go. Have fun. And adults, we're concentrating on the clause in the creed, the Holy Catholic Church and the communion of saints. And as we've seen during this series, the Apostles' Creed is Trinitarian in its nature, concentrating on belief in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but also that God is one. And so it's that, that one in three persons. But now we get to these last few clauses and the creed kind of moves. Moves from proclaiming who God is to declaring who we are as his people. And as we confess belief in the Holy Catholic Church, we're speaking about ecclesiology. That's a big fancy word to basically mean nature and structure of the church. That's what we're speaking about, about the structure of the church, about what the church is. And, and many words um, can, be, can be changed over time. But here, Catholic means universal. It means one. So we're not, we're not placing emphasis on Roman Catholicism, and we're not um, showing loyalty to the Pope. We're just declaring that we are one together as church. We're believers in a community. We're covenantally communed with God, but also with one another. And that's very different to what you think about worldly today, in worldly terms, because individualism is sadly, I think, tearing apart society. But the creed here is speaking against individualism. I want to remind you that the creed is scriptural. Everything in the creed comes from scripture. And it is the minimum, really, that we can believe if we're going to say we are believers in Christ, if we are Christians, disciples of our Lord. And so when I speak of individualism tearing its way through society, I kind of mean that literally. That it is creating chasms between people. Society is very fragmented. People seem to be happier to concentrate on the things that are not shared in common than the things that are shared in common. There's a, a bit of a, a view of me and my way, or it's my home and it's my, my space and, and other people don't, you don't get to come in. I close the door when I get home and, and I'm me. 
I'm going to have to go out to work. I'll do it. But I need me when I get home. This individual mentality, it's just ruining society. It's ruining the church because actually people expect that when they come to church as well now. They want to sit down, not really speak to many people, and then they want to go home. And that's what they consider church to be, that one hour of, of, of worshipping or communing. And then the, the creed's speaking against that because it's saying, no, we are one. We are universal. We have to be together. Because that sad reflection is growing in society and we're starting to see it more and more in the church itself. And what has that done? That's created a a consumer mentality within church. People shop around. People try to find the thing that they like. And if, if then someone says something they don't like, they decide, oh, that means I get to move now. And they go find another church that's going to say something that they do like and something that they can agree with. And that, again, that's what the creed is speaking against here when it says we are one holy Catholic church. And in the Nicene Creed, it goes as far as to say one holy Catholic and apostolic church. And we'll look a little bit into what that means in, in a few moments. This idea of individualism, another word we might be able to say is we think we have personal autonomy. Okay? We get to, to be in charge of ourselves. We get to govern ourselves. And when it comes to churches, church should have, every church community should have autonomy to make the decisions that are right for them collectively under the headship of Christ. And so when we are leading our lives away from that, we're going against what the creed says to be one, to be universal. See, Christ is the head of the church, isn't he? If we're the body of Christ, then he's the head. And the body should do what the head says or how the head directs it. Now, we've got a slight problem here because at times it feels like we've, we've been cut off from the head. And we're going our own way and we're doing the things that we want to do. And we've got to get back to, to refocusing on where the head is asking us to go. And whatever part of the body you make up, we think about what Paul speaks about, not everyone can be a hand, not everyone can be a foot. Whatever part of the body you make up, whatever part of the body you help us in our mission or in our ministry... It's all got to come back to that one thing that God's calling us to collectively. And that's got to fit into the universal church and the mission that we have. And what's the mission of the church globally? To reconcile the world to God. It's to take on Jesus' mission. What the creed does right in this moment in time where we get to is it, it picks up <clears throat> the importance of the doctrine of the church. So we've looked at different doctrines, things of, of the virgin birth, of atonement, 
of the personhood of Christ. And now we get into the doctrine of the church. And it's important there that we are professing or, or confessing our faith in the doctrine of the church. And then we go on in the next week to look at forgiveness of sin as a doctrine, about everlasting life as well. But now we're just going to concentrate on that little bit briefly, the Holy Catholic Church. And as I said, kind of the beginning of today, we're now proclaiming who we are as God's people. We've moved away from that who God is, and we're looking at who we are, who the church is, and, and how God has made a people for himself. And so the church, and by that I mean, I mean Christians everywhere, all over the world, need to reclaim the importance of what it is to be a community, a family that is led by Christ. Because our identity, it's got to be wrapped up in being part of the church. There's no such thing as a go-it-alone Christian. Yo, I believe in Jesus, but I've got no room for the church. I hear that so many times today. But actually, that's an oxymoron. That doesn't make sense. Because our identity, if we are in Christ... We are part of his body, and therefore we have to have space and room for the church. Our identity is wrapped up in the very idea of church. And here at St. John, our identities collectively, we are wrapped up in being part of the wider body of Christ, the bigger church. And we see connection with that with our, with our mission partners, with our ministry partners. But also, we see that reflected in our vision. And how we come together to worship God. How we come together to love our neighbor. And how we resource and equip each other to love our neighbors when we are uh, not together. And then how we take out God's word to the world. Not only in our actions, but in our words. And to really understand this. I just want to focus just a little bit for a scriptural passage for today. Is, is from Matthew chapter 16. I'm just going to read a few verses starting at verse 13. Now when Jesus came in to the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they said to him, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. 
And then he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anybody that he was the Messiah. So listen to what just happened in that passage of Scripture. Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say I am? And there's a various responses to that. And then the question changes. Who do you say I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And that's the thing that I want to draw your attention to right there in that. Because Jesus says back to Peter, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. The church, the church is founded on Peter's answer to Jesus' question. Peter confesses that Jesus is the Christ, and that very act gives way to Jesus, saying, on that very fact, on that confession, I'm going to build my church. Not on Peter, not on the man, but on his words. It's truth, a truth that he confessed. Jesus Christ, son of the living God, the Messiah. That's what the church is built on. That is the foundation block. The cornerstone, Jesus calls himself. But there's more to it. Because Jesus goes on to say, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. And what, you, what you bind on earth is going to be bound in heaven. What you're loose on earth is going to be loosed in heaven. He's backing up his words from previous times. When he sets talking to his disciples throughout life. And then in later times, just after this, he's going to give them the Great Commission. And what does he say in the Great Commission? All power and authority has been given to me, and I'm giving it to you. The power to bind and to loose. And that language might kind of lose itself a little bit today. But you know what that's about. What you say is right is going to be right, and what you say is wrong is going to be wrong. That's the power the church has, and... I'm sorry if I look through history, there's times when the church has really taken that power to its head. And when I say to its head, I mean not to Jesus, but to some, <laughs> some other kind of head somewhere else that it's giving. We have got to get things back to square one where we recognize that the truth which Peter confessed is what the church is built on. And from that point, we can then continue being part of that building. And when I say part of that building, I mean physically a stone that Jesus puts in place, not a builder. Because it's not up to us to build the church. That's Jesus' job. And we often forget that and try to do it ourselves. So as the church, with all this power and all this authority... What we do really, really matters. What we believe and how we let that belief shape our lives, shape our actions, matters because it has eternal consequences. 
and not only for ourselves, but for so many others as well. See, we don't, we don't derive this power, this authority that we have from a political party. We're not, we're not called to, to, bring, to bring this nation into a theocracy. And if you watch the news, there are many people who think we are. We're called to take the power and authority that Jesus has given us as the church and to work in the remit that he's given us. And that is not to make America, to make any other nation in the West, a theocracy. We're simply called to be a branch of the kingdom of God. And to function as the church in that. We need to be able to take those words which Peter spoke. And if you remember, Jesus says to Peter, that's not been revealed by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. That's grace right there. Jesus apportions us grace. And he allows through that grace us to understand so that we can act. And if we move on here further to talk about this, this truth, I want to pause just for a moment and think, what is the church? And how from what, what we say in the creed and what we just looked at there from Peter's words, it's not a building. And I think that's very very prominent for us to, to remember today and to, to draw on. Because, yeah, we've got attachments to a building. But that's not the church. We are the church. It's not any assets that we hold. Because any assets that we hold aren't ours in the first place. They're God's. He might have given us them to, to steward for a while. But they're not ours. The church isn't the assets. The church isn't the building. The church is the people of God. So us not being able to be in the building doesn't stop us being church. All of you here today prove that. Those of you who will watch on ho at home later on, and the way that you connect with each other proves that community doesn't need to be centered around a building. It needs to be centered around ourselves and our common belief in what we profess, what we confess as we speak the words of the Apostles' Creed. And during this time, some of you are a part of life groups, which is a great way for us to have that community and, and every life group is really a micro church. Okay, it follows on. It holds the same principles as, as we do collectively as St. John, but it just lives it out in a slightly different way. Maybe it lives it out around a dinner table. Maybe it lives it out around a wine bar table. Maybe it's a, a walk in the park. There's so many different ways we get to express community. But the important thing is, that we are community and we gather as the people of God in whatever we're going to do. See, the church is what? The church is the people of God. 
God made a people for himself. And even when they rebel against him, what's he do? He sends his only son to reclaim them. And it is Jesus who came to reclaim that connection, to reclaim the covenant identity that we can now have as his people that is going to build the church. It's that truth that Peter spoke. He is the Messiah, the chosen one of God, the only one who can redeem. That is the cornerstone of the building of which we are all a piece. So draw on that grace. Draw on the grace that has been received from God. Don't sit back on your, on your spiritual laurels. Instead, go forward in the grace that you've been given to work in and through all of the things he's doing in your life. See, the opposite of grace is works, but it isn't effort. That's a great quote from Richard Foster, one of my favorites. And I think I've said it to you all before. But yes, the opposite of grace is works, but it isn't effort. Grace should be compelling us to actually put in effort. Because grace isn't just, as some people say, forgiveness. That's part of grace. But the words which Peter received to say, Jesus, the Son of God, Messiah, that's who you are. That was given to him from his Father in heaven as an act of grace. So, working out our salvation, which Paul talks about, isn't that we have to work to get it. It's that grace brings us to a point where we want to work for the kingdom. Work for the kingdom will look different to every person. But we're here together, collectively, to help each other identify how that can be done in our seasons of life that are different, how that can be done with the gifts that God's given us, and how, how that can be done with the collective gifts that we all have received from him for right now. But one thing that the church of late in certain facets has started to ear away from is that idea of being apostolic. And what do I mean by that when we say that in the, in the Nicene Creed? Well, apostolic basically means drawing on the words of the apostles, the teaching of the apostles. And Acts 2 talks about the very essence of the church as learning from the apostles and the teaching, listening to the teaching of the apostles. Well, the job of the apostles was to teach. And then the job of the people who heard it, if you read uh, Paul's letter to Timothy, as he instructs Timothy, is to then do likewise. That's the job of the church, to hear from what the apostles said, to read our scriptures, and to take that to the next generation. So how are we going to be doing that now as St. John? So when we talk about one universal church, we've got to be joined in our doctrines and our beliefs that have got to be based on the apostolic teaching. But who else? What else do we have to help us? Well, we have the Holy Spirit, and we looked at that last week. 
but we also have, as we profess in the creed here, the communion of saints. The communion of saints. That's the people who are sat next to you, who are sat behind you and in front of you. That's the people who have gone before you and are no longer with us here on earth. Think about a spiritual parent that's passed away. Think about a, a, a physical parent if they brought you up in the faith or a grandparent. They are part of the communion of saints. And we are saying in the creed that we believe in the communion of saints. We believe that one day we are going to be reunited with them. And all that they have done for us in establishing church and establishing us as part of the church is key for us to call to mind. Think of teachers of years gone by, the likes of Charles Spurgeon, John Wesley, Martin Luther, other reformers of his day as well. Go back before that and you've got Athanasius and that, that amazing creed that we never say because it's far too long. <laughs> yeah? We've got so many what they call the church fathers that we seem to disregard today for some reason. But actually, that's a foundational block of the church because we're saying we believe in the community of saints. We believe in all they've got to teach because their teaching was based on the apostles' teaching too. So as believers... We need to embrace the idea that we are a people, not a person. There's a, that great phrase, no man is an island. But yet that individualistic nature, tendencies that slip into society, is starting that actually many people are becoming islands. And our, our call is to reach out to them and let them realize they've been made for community. They've been made to be part of God's family because he has made a people for himself and he has called us out to that. We've got to recognize we've not been, we've not been created to be alone. So anytime we think, I just want to be alone, There's times to be alone. But as you sit and pray, if you let others know what you're praying for and what's going on in your life, then you're not alone. So reach out to Wendy as the prayer team coordinator and she's going to let other people know that are in a small team and they'll be praying for you. And so when you're praying for it, you're not alone because you should never feel alone when you are part of God's family. If you ever do feel alone, reach out to someone. You can reach out to me, but if you're like, he's a crazy Englishman, I'd rather speak to someone else, that's fine. There's many people here at St. John who are equipped, gifted by God to care in any moment that you may be having and to be praying for you. And this, this morning, 
we're going to have an opportunity for anyone who wants to be prayed for, just as we used to, to come forward, and Wendy's going to be there just to lay hands on you, if that's, one, if that, if that's something that you want for this morning. Because as the communion of saints, we live in hope. We live in a hope that one day we're all going to be united again. All those people that we've just been thinking about, our spiritual parents, our actual parents, our grandparents, the likes, they're going to be there with us. We're going to recognize them even though they're not going to be the same. And we're not going to be the same. Why? Because we're going to be fully clothed in righteousness. Right now, we're kind of partially clothed in righteousness. God's working in our lives, but that work is going to come to completion on one glorious day when we all get to be united again in heaven. Isn't that something to look forward to? And to be, isn't that a hope to have? Much better hope than, I don't know, the Ravens winning the Super Bowl. It's a much better hope than any hope I have of my soccer team ever winning anything, which they've never once in my whole lifetime won anything, of note. But it saddens me when I hear people talk about their expression of faith or another expression of faith as being superior. And I bring that up because we're saying we believe in one holy Catholic Church. And just this week, I read somebody who said, Lutherans do not believe other Christians don't go to heaven. They just believe that when they get there, they're going to become Lutheran. You think on that for a minute. I've heard other denominations say similar things about themselves. And honestly, it makes my blood curdle. It, it makes it boil. It, it, gets me, it gets me angry in, a, in, a, in what I would say in, in a righteous way. Um... Because only Jesus knows our heart. Only Jesus knows what he's doing in the building of the church. And those who choose to be part of a different expression to us, have at it. As long as those other things that we've talked about as marks of the church are happening, then God's working in their midst. And he's doing a thing to help build them to be community, to be connected with the worldwide church. They're our brothers and our sisters in faith. Because Jesus knows our hearts. He knows what we're committed to. And whether it's him or it's something else, if it's a different agenda other than the kingdom agenda, that should be there for all churches. And he knows if we're going to stand and answer the question of who do you say I am with the same words that Peter said. And that is, you are the Messiah. You are the son 
of the living God. That's the foundation of the church. That's what we profess to believe when we say one Catholic, holy, apostolic church. And so now I want to give the opportunity for you to be responding. What is it that has really grabbed you today? What is it that God said, that's the thing I wanted you to hear? That's the thing that you need to respond to. Because how we respond doesn't matter, but we do need to respond to him. You've all got your communion elements. Um, I just remind you that Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he went to the cross the next day for you. He poured out his blood for you. He broke his body for you. And on that night, he said to his disciples those exact things. He said, this is my body as he took the bread and he gave it to them and he broke it and he said, take and eat in remembrance of me. And with the blood, he said, this is my blood, it's poured out for you. And that's what he did on the cross. He poured out his blood for you. Just you, but also all of you. If you were the only one who was left on earth, he would have done the same thing. But we've got to commune together. Communion. Coming together in our beliefs, what is it that matters most? So take a moment to have those elements. Welcome back to children. And the band are going to come up and play soon. Sing along. Receive prayer. Bask in the glory of God as his sun shines on us, both literally and figuratively. So come, receive from him all that he has for you today. Amen.
Thank you. Hand clap to God. Song number 41, Be Thou My Vision. You can stand as you're able. You can keep sitting and reflecting whatever's comfortable for you. Be Thou My Vision. have one more um, song to send us out. Um, I just want to read Psalm 121. Um, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where 
does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The the Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. So look to the hills. That's not where your help comes from. Look to the valleys. That's not where you're going to stay. But look to the Lord who is with you in and through everything because he is where your help comes from because you are part of his church. So go in his peace. And the blessing of God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you all evermore. Amen. We're going to turn to Garland to lead us in this last song today. It's song number 40, Your Love Never Fails.
That is it. Thanks for coming to church today. Have a great week. God be with you.